Well, here we are wrapping up our series, The Potter and the Clay. Thanks for joining me today, New Hope Radio, the Hope Club podcast. God's word, on demand, anytime. But we've been looking at the potter and the clay and, you know, what that guy does all day. How he makes beautiful pottery for the king. And um, we've noticed all of the stages that the clay goes through. And we relate it to, uh, you know, God finding us and make us, making us into something good. Something fit for his own table. Remember the stages? He goes out and digs the clay from the pit, puts it through a series of cleansings, places it on the wheel, shapes it. Oh, remember, inside and out. That clay is going to be shaped on the outside, but it's also going to be shaped on the inside. Beautiful picture of our life, isn't it? And remember, he applies water with every move, allows the work to go smoothly, no friction. Then he decorates it by scratching it, impressing it with something, or burnishing, rubbing another piece of pottery up against it. Well, now we're ready to make the vessel strong. You know what I say? (laughs) Too bad it takes the fire to do so. You know, it takes the fire to make it strong. And and that's too bad. You know why? Because the fire is hot. Oh, yeah. It's really hot. It's the heat. The heat. The the pot is going to bring the heat. We're going to see today, sometimes God brings the heat. All right? So... As we continue with the potter and the clay, again, we're learning how God works in our lives. We're watching the potter. He's making a beautiful vessel of beauty, strength, and use. And I want us to see how God does that with us. Makes us into a beautiful vessel of beauty, strength, and use. Now he's ready to fire it. He's going to put it in the kiln. And why does he put it in the kiln? Because the heat gives it strength. Any vessel that's going to be fit for use must be strong. Strong enough to what? Do whatever job it was created to do. And this strength comes from firing the clay. So today we'll see what many Christians have not yet come to understand. Fine china comes from fierce firing. That's what we want to learn today. Fine china comes from fierce firing. And you know the story of the pearl, right? You cannot get beauty without suffering. That pearl begins with an irritation. A little bit of sand gets inside. It's an irritation. And it begins to cover it with that pearl-like substance. And over a period of time, it makes a pearl, and we value it. And we get a bunch of them and make a necklace and a bracelet and all kinds of stuff. But it's what started off as an irritation became a thing of beauty. What is that irritation in your life? You know what? It can become a thing of beauty. It certainly can. 
let God have his way, and that thing that irritated you, aggravated you, whatever it was, (laughs) whoever it was, will make you a thing of beauty. So let's go into the potter's studio. Oh, look, what's over there? A kiln. A kiln is a type of oven that would be used to strengthen the vessels with intense heat. At least three full days were required to fire the pottery. Why? Because it was necessary to raise the temperature in stages, then hold it at its peak for a time, and then lower the temperature gradually. Why? Because this prevented the vessels from shattering from any sudden temperature change. Temperature change. Okay? So it was a slow process. And as much has gone into the work of the vessel, right? Preparing the clay, molding the clay, decorating the clay. One encyclopedia tells us the final product of the potter is dependent upon the firing process in the kiln. And as much skill is required here as in the throwing of the best wear. In other words, if he knows, if he's a great artist and he can make a beautiful vessel shaping the clay, then he can decorate it beautifully. But he's going to be just as skilled with the kiln or he'll ruin the whole thing. Profit or loss depended on the skill skill of the kilman in controlling the various temperatures of the kiln. Oh, here it is at all times. Did you get that? He could make a beautiful vessel or he could destroy it. How good was he with the kiln? That was the real test. So the firing of the clay, that was the testing of two things. Number one, the strength of the clay. And number two, the skill of the potter. I want you to think, even God's handiwork in your life is being tested. See, God works in all of our lives, right? And that work is being tested, just like the potter with the clay. How good do you think God is in controlling the heat that he brings into your life? You think he's a master? You think he's a novice? Is he an apprentice? How good do you think God is working in your life? A good potter, he knows exactly how to use the furnace to make the best pottery. So for our purposes today, I want us to see that the fire not only strengthens, but it purifies. That's what it does. Let's begin with the fire purifying our hearts. You know, in Proverbs 17, verse 3, the refining pot is for silver, and the furnace for gold. But the Lord tests the hearts. And what's it saying? That yes, silver is tested in the pot. We'll see how that works later. Gold is put in the furnace. But those are metals. But you know what the Lord tests? The heart. He wants to purify the heart, and he tests the heart. Because you see, the heart is the inside of the vessel. The heart is the real you. 
Outwardly, eh, no big deal. Anybody can fake it outwardly, but it's inwardly that's the real person. What did Jesus call the Pharisees? Whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones, right? Oh, you guys look good on the outside, but inside, man, you stinketh. There's nothing good going on there. That's why the heart must be purified. Secondly, the potter, he's going to make a quality piece. He's not making junk. He's not making stuff for the flea market. He's making stuff for the king. So in Proverbs 25, verse 4, it says, Take away the dross from the silver, and there comes out a vessel for the smith. What does that mean? It means that the silver is melted down and then filtered. The dross, the imperfections or the impurities, rise to the top. He skims them off. Then he turns up the heat some more. More impurities rise to the top, skins them off. And he does this until there is no more dross, no more impurity. Now it's ready to be made into a vessel. Okay? So what do we have here? We have a quality piece that's being made. You know, God said to his people Israel in Isaiah 48.10, he said, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you. Uh oh, in the furnace of affliction. He put him through the heat. He said, For my own sake, for my own sake I will act. For how can my name be profaned? My glory I'll not give to another. See, God's name is always being represented by his people. So God, oh, here it comes. God does what he has to do to protect his own namesake. And if that means he puts his people through the fire to purify them, that's what he does. Because it's about him and his name. For some reason, over the years, people have made Christianity about people. It's not. It's about God. That's another story. So, the afflictions, they're not to make us angry or bitter, but to try our hearts. The irritations in life reveal what kind of heart we have, what's in our heart. It's like when you squeeze a a tube of toothpaste. Whatever's inside comes out. Usually it's toothpaste. And when God puts the squeeze on us, whatever's inside comes out. Thirdly, the Word of God is a purifier. In Proverbs 12.6, It says, the words of the Lord are pure as silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. Think about God's word. God's word must be esteemed because it's the pure wisdom of God. It's And you know what? If you put God's word to the test when you're in the furnace, you're going to see it. You're going to see how pure it is and how you come out shining. William Barclay said, If a man has faith tried and refined in the crucible of experience, there's nothing which he cannot face. Nothing. And you know what I think of when I read that? Oh, well, I can think of so many apostles. I think of young David when he fought a lion and a bear. Then he was prepared to face Goliath. I think of the apostle Paul when he went through all of those opposing forces 
And yet he just kept getting stronger and stronger as a believer. Every time they tried to knock him down, he got up and he got stronger. That's the way it's supposed to work. There's nothing you cannot face. Let the afflictions of your life make you strong, make you pure, preparing you for greater things. So the fiery furnace of affliction that the Christian is placed in is also to prove the durability of God's Word, its beauty, and its strength. See, you put the Word to the test. If you find yourself in the heat, put the Word of God to the test and see if it doesn't bring you through. If you abide in the Scriptures, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to come out. It's going to come out all right. So the Kilman, you know, he never takes his eyes off the vessel when it's in the fire. He's got this big clay oven, right, with a little window. He doesn't take his eye off the vessel. He watches it every second. Remember the three Hebrew boys? They were in a furnace, right? And somebody said, hey, didn't we put three guys in there? I see your fourth one. We only put three. Who's the fourth guy? Who'd go, who, who, who would go in there on his own? What's, is he crazy? Who went in there of his own free will? Oh, it was the Lord. That's who. Jesus met them in the furnace of affliction, in that hot fire. He met them there. You think God won't meet you? He'll meet you there. So now the vessel, oh, it's finally finished. And what's really on the line here? It's not even the vessel. It's not even the kiln. It's the potter. This is the final test of the potter. The fine vessel, he turns out, will protect his reputation as a master artist. That's the whole point. This is where he proves that he is good. He's the best. And see, that's our place in life. We're the vessels. And we're to be shown off to the world what God can do in the life of a true believer. And it shows God, oh, he's the master. Oh, he's the master at changing lives. No one can change a life like the Lord. Oh, we can try it. Mankind comes up with all kinds of programs. But no one can change a life like God. And we're the vessel to demonstrate that. When you let God work in your life, You know, archaeologists say a lot can be learned about the people of a culture by the pottery that's left behind. They can tell how many people lived in a village by broken pottery they dig up. They can tell the quality of life that the people had, how progressive were they, or how primitive were they. They can tell were there a lot of babies there, because they find a lot of bottles. There's a lot that can be said about a culture by the pottery. So think about it. Spiritually, a lot can be said about God by his pottery. But only by those who allow him to finish his work. What did Paul say to the Corinthians? You are our letter known and read by all men. That yes, people can read the people of God Unbelievers can read the people of God like a book 
and they can make a determination on what God is like. So we're the pottery that reveals what God is like. But what do they see in us? Oh, that's the question. Not pot sherds, I hope, but pottery fit for the king's table. So finally, with all of the many uses of pottery, right? They made water jars. Remember when Jesus turned water into wine? There were six big water pots, like 30 gallons a piece, right? That was pottery, right? They make little perfume bottles, right? They make um, vases, oil lamps, baby bottles. Many things were made from pottery. But there's also one other use that serves a beautiful service so much it's even molded into the Holy Scriptures. And it really has to do with us. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And here's what Paul said. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. <laughs> the earthen vessel. What's the earthen vessel? It's not a water pot. It's you and me. We have this treasure. And what is the treasure? It's the gospel of Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. See, it's all about the killmen. God is the killman. He's controlling the heat. And he knows exactly what to do. It's the kiln of the world that refines our faith. Oh, we're living in it. And it's getting hotter, isn't it? It's like the devil's turning up the heat. Things are crazy in this world. And they're even crazy in this country. A country that was founded on Christian principles is now making a 180 and going in a completely different direction. And the result is craziness, chaos, and pain. That's what's happening. And Paul said, you know what? Even in the first century, living in this world, it was God's kiln. And he said, we're afflicted. In every way. Oh, but we're not crushed. Oh, we're perplexed. But we're not despairing. We are persecuted. Oh, yes, we are. But we're not forsaken. Oh, no. God is with us. Oh, we're struck down. But, hey, we're not destroyed. We're getting up. You're not keeping us down. And he said, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus. Boy, how often do we hear that in church? How often do we hear that in an altar call? Who wants to die? Come to Jesus. All we hear is we, we're bribing people to get to heaven. Jesus, he didn't bribe anybody. He said, count the cost. Did you want to follow me? Count the cost. I don't know where I'm sleeping. I don't know what I'm eating. Oh, by the way, Pick up your cross if you're going to follow me and deny yourself. Yeah, yeah. Come with me and die. That That's the invitation. We don't hear that. And that's why there's so many dysfunctional people today, because they don't understand what it means to follow Christ. They want everything to be great. I do. But it might not be. 
Paul said, we're always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus. And this is why, like, God, why, 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 why do I have to keep dying like this? Here's why. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. See, it's like we die to self so Christ can live. It's about Christ living through us. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. Why? So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. So there's that picking up your cross. There's that denying yourself. So life can work in other people. So there you have it. A beautiful vessel fit for the king's table. But look at what it took. Oh, it took so much. It took a lot. It took the cleansing. That's our sanctification. It took the shaping and the molding. It took the the irritations. It took the heat. It took everything that's required in a pot to make it beautiful, strong, and serviceable goes into us to make us beautiful, strong, and serviceable. Beautiful to the world and to God. Strong, where we are overcomers, and serviceable for the kingdom, for God's kingdom. So, yeah, again, you know, the pot is not made for the pot, right? The pot doesn't say, oh, thank you, potter, for making me a pot. Now let me go and do my thing. No, the pot goes to work. Once he's made, he's brought to the house and he goes to work. He holds grain. He uh, holds water. He holds wine. He holds whatever they, he was made for. He holds perfume, right? Whatever he was made for. So God has done all this for us, but not for us, for him. And I think what we need to do is realign ourselves with the plan of God, that we are for him. He's not for us. We're for him. And even Paul said, you know what? Speaking of Jesus, everything is to him, for him, and through him. It's all there. And we'd probably get along in life a lot better once we have that understanding. And stop making God about us and everything we want and the way we think things should be, because that's not reality. The reality is what God wants and the way he says they're going to be. And he says, let me tell you something, as the end times come along, it's going to be like a woman in labor. The earth is going to hurt and the people on it. And he said, there's going to be more storms and diverse places and wars and rumors of wars. And there's going to be an apostasy of falling away. And I see the church today being distracted from the cross into other things, other emotional, spiritual phenomenon. But no cross. A lot of churches don't even have crosses. Is that part of the falling away? I don't know. But if I had to say one way or the other, 
The cross is the central point of human history. It's the focal point of our own life. It's the basis of our faith. It's where our sins were forgiven, where they were atoned for. You can't remove the cross. You remove the cross. You remove hope, the hope of mankind. And why have we removed it? One mega pastor said he didn't want to uh, offend the unbeliever. (laughs) You know what Paul said? The cross is an offense. It is an offense. Because what it does, it points to our sin. The cross says, you're a sinner. And you need to be atoned for, or you're going to die in your sins and be lost forever. So the cross is our gift. It's a gift from God to us. And once we're saved, we belong to him, right? We're bought with a price, right? Peter said we haven't been redeemed with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. So now we belong to God. We don't belong to us. We belong to him for his service, for his use. And he wants to work in your life. And sometimes, yeah, he's going to turn up the heat to make you strong. He's going to bring in abrasions to make you shine, to beautify you. People that are, I don't know, they like to major in friction. (laughs) Know what I'm saying? They get under your skin. They rub you the wrong way. It's to make you beautiful. The heat is to make you strong. And when you're done, you're serviceable. And you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Now you can enter into the joy of the Master. Boy, won't that be worth hearing? I mean, come on. That makes everything worthwhile. When you face the Lord Jesus at the Bema Seat and he looks at you, he says, I saw you down there. I know it was tough. It was difficult. I know you had some really hard times. I know that. And I know the heat was turned up. But you know what? Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now you can enter into my joy. That certainly will be worth it. Let me tell you, it'll be worth it. Stay faithful, okay? Hey, let's help other people hear these things too. Go to newhoperadio.live, click the menu bar. Let's get, I don't know, I think messages like this are helpful. So let's get more people to hear them so they can live their lives right before the Lord. We want them to hear well done as well.